Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The Last Day of Freedom is a richly animated personal narrative that tells the story of Bill Babbitt's decision to stand by his brother in the face of a war, crime, and capital punishment. The film is a portrait of a man at the nexus of the most pressing social issue of our day, veterans care, mental health access, and criminal justice. It is a compelling story. Uh, it's called Last Day of Freedom. Uh, the co-directors of the film are D. Hibbert Jones and Nomi Talisman, and they're joining us today here on Film School. Welcome to Film School. Hi. Thank you. Very good. Well, uh, it is a, a pleasure to be here. So oh, thank we'll, we'll you. Pull away the echo. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for being here. the uh, The film is very compelling. It's uh, a uh, what they call short documentary. It's uh, about a thirty minute mm-hmm. film. And it's the story of these two brothers. And tell me, um, I'll start with you, uh, D. Hibbert Jones. Tell me a little bit about the evolution of how you came to know uh, Bill and and uh, the decision to move forward and make a documentary with him. Uh, well, I, I, this this question is almost like it starts a bit more with Nomi, but I will definitely tell the story anyway. Oh, so, okay. um, basically, Nomi was working um, doing media work for a nonprofit organization uh, that does death penalty advocacy work. And um, we have been collaborating together since 2004 on projects that look at individuals and big systems and the way we somehow sometimes feel really divorced from, from larger issues that then can come back and, as Bill says, come knocking at your door. Um, so when we, um, when we first uh, heard of the story through Nomi's work um, and heard of different stories about the people's um, lives who are impacted by the death penalty, um, we thought that would be an incredible subject. Um, and have um, opportunities for people to hear perspectives that you don't ordinarily hear. Um, so that's how we began, but it's, it's more known story in mind because she was working in the organization. Okay, well, Nomi, um, how did you get to know Bill? Um, so basically we um, started interviewing some, some other people who had like really incredible stories, and we felt like we had like, really good anecdotes, and we were looking for one story that would be... That will have more of um, an arc, a beginning, um, possibly an end, and, and we wanted somebody who's a really good storyteller. And we went back to the organization, and um, Scarlett Miran, who's the director, said, "Look, you know, there's somebody that I worked with many, many years ago, and he's an unbelievable storyteller, and you should talk to him." So she connected us to Bill. Um, we read about his case, or that man's case, uh, his brother online and kind of like really thinking back and forth, do we want to go back and do something that happened that many years ago and and, and then a bunch of other issues, ex, you know, beside criminal justice, but actually one of the things that we thought that it would be an incredible addition to add all these other, all, all these other things, um, mental health, veteran care, uh, homelessness, which is actually, um, unfortunately, it's still very current. Um, and, and, um, we talked to Bill, and uh, we just gave him a call. We said, hey, you know, we heard of your story through these people, and he really, really wanted to talk to us. And um, I think the first kind of like little chat that he had with him on the phone, just just to see if um, if he's willing to participate, it took about an hour and a half, and he was just so that after she finished the conversation, she said, it's like, well, we, we need to give him a tape. We just need to work with this guy. His story is, is, is incredible, but also he's just an exquisite storyteller. 
um, um, that's how we got to know him. Okay, yeah. well, he is. I, I would attest to that uh, from the film <laughs> Last Day yeah. of Freedom. It, it is. He's very compelling, um, and the story is a gripping one. It's a, a one of very difficult decisions n- being made on the part of Bill regarding his brother Manny and the ramifications. He did it out of love and and the hope that he would be able to get the help that he needed. I don't know how much of the yeah. of the story we want to get into. I want people to go see um, Last Day of Freedom, but it, I'll leave that to your uh, capable hands to decide. But one of the things about the film that's visually compelling is you animate the film. Is this a rotoscoping kind of thing that you were doing? It's, <laughs> it's in that same area. Go ahead, jump ball. Who was who wants to take that question? But um, I'll, I'll take that. Question. I'm, I'm not yes. going to. Let's fight over that. So basically, um, um, components of it are rotoscoped, scoped, and then there are other com- other elements to it. But um, one of the things we decided we wanted to do was to um, to take uh, Bill's face and actually um, be able to get every single line and wrinkle and tear. And so we went through the painstaking process. It's thirty-two thousand drawings. Um, of drawing it, and especially drawing frame by frame in order to, every other frame, in order to um, kind of like ha- have the feeling of intimacy with him, but also have the uh, universality to it. And be able to pull in really close. So you, um, sometimes I have a, a sort of really direct, um, um, it, sort of the whole screen is filled with his face and you can see tears coming down his face or you can see every expression that's on his face. Yeah. But the other thing, and, and, and Maria, I'll just say a little bit, I think, you know, the main thing for us was that with Bill's story where, you know, we, we, we chose it partly, too, because he is this um, this person who you can imagine yourself in his position. He he's hasn't done anything wrong. He discovers his brother's done something and, and, and realizes, oh, you know, we, we have to call the police. And then and then things kind of unfold from there. Um, and, and so what we wanted to do, because Bill describes the story so eloquently, was to make sure we weren't just chasing the story with, with animation, but but to actually um, describe the sort of metaphors and emotional kind of resonance of the story behind that and hopefully allow um, the viewer to really hear and see the story in kind of other more complex ways than you would otherwise. Right. I hope I described, I, I don't think I just, rotoscoping is essentially taking a, an, an image, a video image, and, and drawing or animating it in a way that allows you as a filmmaker to, to give space particular emphasis to to things in the frame that you really want to underscore which i i love that technique one of my favorite films is waking life it it has a yeah. a, a feel of uh, similar to waking life um and that uh, it's a good one that way um well that's nice thank you we like that <laughs> yeah. we love that film <laughs> yeah it is a great film and I, I very i think it's an underrated film in terms of just the recognition but it's a beautiful film and um but that that allows you now you must have had it looked like you had uh I would say home movies of certain era, or, or was was the right. was that the case? You had some background video from from Manny's life. Is that? Uh, 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 no, Manny? here. Um, yeah, we did not have uh, direct films from Manny's life. Uh, I don't think his family was in um, in a place where they you know had the means to to um, document it. <clears throat> the two different things that we used um, very particular archival footage. One, one of which is the footage from Vietnam, mm-hmm. from the war that is taken from um, public domain footage that was basically shot by the by the U.S. Army in the in the same battles where Manuel was at. And the other home movies are just um, 
some of them are collections that I have collected over the years in garage sales and, and um, really shot on, on, on 80 millimeters and 60 millimeters and, and, and we used some of the texture and some of that, some of that material just scanned at the beginning and some of it was just, again, um, home, home movies that we found that people posted you know, in, in, in several places and we just took um, things that matched in terms of the year and the, and, and the areas. Right. So we took something that looked like something, and we com- we basically composed it on other stuff that we had in our collection. And we looked for something that would, um, which basically would play with the video quite a lot before it was transferred to animation. Mm-hmm. But yes, you are right. There is <laughs> there is archival footage, and there are home movies in it too. Yeah. No, it, it's um, yeah. Maybe film. I'm film. Go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Dee. I was actually, if I could, I just wanted to add something to the to the idea of rotoscoping because one of the things for us was we. Um, Although we the um, CGI movies that we really appreciate um, and love, we felt like we didn't want sometimes the mouth talk slightly. You get used to it after a while, but at the beginning, there's a, a sort of kind of, sort of artificiality that comes with with the, with that, um, and and we wanted to make it feel there's a real sort of textural feeling of um, of drawing uh, uh, Bill's face, and so for us, it was a really conscious decision, which actually is much much more labor intensive. To do um, um, the lip sync rotoscope on his on his actual video, um, so and and so that, and that was then the other thing with that which I think is sort of interesting in that um, you know there's always this sort of notion that you're cheating by <laughs> by doing that and in fact we discovered when we started to actually try to ask other people to do some of the drawings for us because um, we did all the drawing design but at some point we we needed help because it was just such a long process and we found that. You know, it's it's the choices of what one ch- one chooses to draw, what one one ignores, and the emphasis was was we, we had not realized that we had this kind of particular hand on it, and we wanted to maintain that, and so there was a consistency of style to the to the piece. So I just want to add that to it because I think that I think sometimes rotoscope gets really bad raps. Oh, <laughs> on yeah. throw that. Sure. <laughs> why we chose it. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. And, and 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 I want to say as a as, as a viewer as uh, that the the um, it gives the already compelling story uh as i said earlier the, the ability uh, for you as filmmakers to focus and to draw attention to the things that bill is saying over the course of telling the story of his brother manny and it gives it as a filmmaker you you have every right and you should take advantage of the tools in front of you to be able to in a compelling way make the story even more interesting and more compelling um, and then I think that's what you've accomplished here. So, um, well, thank you. Well, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing, with, which, which is usually something that Nomi actually talks about, is that, you know, when, once you choose to animate, every single line is a choice. So, yeah. um, even the, the, the line quality um, that's of, of, of the drawings of Bill are slightly broken, a very delicate line that is just sort of suggests to us at least that. He, he's very strong, but on the other hand, he's just holding it together. And we wanted that kind of fragility to his uh, gestures and his face as he's talking. So you really start to be really conscious and choose what you don't want to include, which maybe can kind of replicate some emotional states when there's incredible isolation or feelings sometimes of complete chaos. Um, and, and we wanted, and, and there's sort of psychological states, that, you know, so we wanted to kind of represent those and, 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 and literally by choosing the line and the choices of color, um, we should just say we come from a fine art background. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the place that was really um, comfortable and exciting for us to work. 
I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with the co-directors and co-producers of the film Last Day of Freedom. That would be D. Hibbert Jones and Nomi Talisman. Well, let's get away from the technical part because it is, while it is compelling and that's a great part of the film, <laughs> the story itself it really shines a light on a number of very important issues that we are still faced today, maybe even in more... Uh, important ways than they were back even in the Vietnam era uh, with the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of men and women who have gone into battle in Afghanistan and Iraq and the issues that they come home with, not just the uh, flesh wounds, but the the wounds to their psychology and physically to their ability to be able to make uh, informed decisions about where they are in their mental health. Um, it is a it is an important story, and uh, certainly uh, it's illuminated here. Talk about uh, Nomi. Talk a little bit about these issues that uh, Manny uh, was facing from his time in Vietnam. He did two tours of duty, came right. back obviously mentally ill and affected by combat in Quezon, which was a big battle back in the Vietnam era war. So, go ahead. Right. Um, actually, let me um, backtrack just before that. Uh, in the first five minutes of the film, where you go through Manny's childhood, it's pretty evident that he probably was not even uh, fit to serve in the Army. Yeah. And one of the things that happened was that at that point, by the time he, he wanted to go, um, uh, you know, the, the youth just needed, just needed more people to... to um, to go and join the war, you know, and join the war effort. And one of the things that they did, which um, we find that in, in one of the um, background researches we that we uh, conducted, was actually during that time, around mid, mid to late 60s, the intellectual requirement dropped down. So there's this kind of like awful term that uh, um, um, is called uh, mechanized morons, which basically what meant that people who probably... Ten years prior to that, and also later, would not be able to to um, join you know join the military forces. Um, were able were able to get in, and that is pretty evident from 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 Manny's case. And unfortunately, it's something that we know that there's um, somewhat of a similar pattern that's happening now too. Yeah. Where basically, when 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 there's a need to have more people join in, um, that they just the standard is being changed. Um, the other thing, which again um, was kind of really interesting in, in, in what we found, is it's pretty also clear that Manny came back with a lot of uh, mental health problems, and the diagnosis that he got, uh, paranoid schizophrenia, was then by the DSM was actually kind of like an umbrella term. That's probably what he meant would be the equivalent today of of PTSD. Plus, I don't know if he had any any other things, but pretty severe PTSD, and that was never treated. And again, we know that this is kind of it, it's a current issue now too, with veterans who are getting either not enough help or minimal help or, or not the right help. You, you know, that was one of the things that kind of like drew us to Bill's story is the fact that you know you hear you hear the stories that happened that many years ago, and just it's it's still current, it's still repeating, it's it's yeah. still not enough support to people who really need that help, mm. who a lot of the time find themselves in, you know, in very um, extreme situations, whether they are, you know, homeless, whether they're uh, losing rights, whether they're losing um, a lot of things that could have support them, they don't have enough of the support system, and a lot of them end up being caught up in, in also the criminal justice system. Well, and, uh, and just it, go ahead, Dee, go ahead, please. 
I was just, just going to add that uh, I was just reading um, actually this morning about the, the fact that the, 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 the lowest statistic is between 5 and 10% of everybody on death row is mentally ill, severely mentally ill. And, and there's another um, study that we found a few, few months ago, 100% of people on death row um, just said that they suffered some kind of a major, major trauma. So, it, you know, there's a range here between what the... Um, let's say, institutions are willing to recognize and what the people themselves are willing to recognize. The other thing that came out of um, just before uh, Veterans Day was that one in ten people on death row is a veteran. You know, the, one in ten. Yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable, and again, the last, uh, last day of freedom, this, this is one of the directions that you're pointing the, the, the viewer towards is understanding this, obviously, uh, issues regarding the criminal justice system, which we'll get to in a minute, but from what I know of these these problems and these issues that these returning vets face, one in three returning veterans from at least the Iraq War had been um, subjected to a severe brain trauma due to an IED. <laughs> one out of three are coming returning back. Yeah. These aren't even people who necessarily may have engaged in a gun battle with uh, with the 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 opposing forces these are just people who for whatever reason were in the wrong place at the wrong time and as you mentioned there are people coming back with these severe brain injuries which are only now beginning to really be understood and studied to the degree that they need to be obviously the ripple effect from the longest war in american history in afghanistan and now in iraq the as i said perhaps millions of people who have cycled through those two theaters of war we're going to be dealing with this, and it's been talked about. I know political candidates like Bernie Sanders have been talking about we're going to be dealing with this for a generation or more of these people, and obviously Manny's an example, I believe. And it, the, we there are more consequences than just firing up a military and sending them off to war. It's what happens after the fact that uh, we fail to understand and, and really address I, mean, I think what I would like to add to that was that one of the reasons why we thought that Bill's story was so compelling, aside from the things we've talked about before, was the fact that he voted in favor of the of the policy to to um, extend the death penalty in California that actually executed his brother. Yeah. And so, you know, thinking about that fact, that what, imagining something uh, sort of in, in the abstract and then having it come back to hit you very personally, something that I think we, we, were, we thought was a really kind of compelling component to the film. Yeah. Well, and, the, and then the last couple of minutes that I, um, that I have with you, and when remind our listeners were speaking with the co-directors of the film, Last Day of Freedom, that would be Dee Hibbert Jones and Nomi Talisman, uh, and that is the criminal justice system itself, the decision on the part of Bill to um, engage the, politi- uh, the police uh, and his understanding of what would happen and how everything unfolded is uh, a wrenching part of this story, uh, knowing full well that he intended only the best for his his brother in that situation and hoping for the best and and to see it, i mean it it's uh it's just really a compelling story and it's a humanizing story for uh, for anyone who cares about these kinds of issues but uh a little bit about the um d what a little bit about the just your dealing or going through um, Bill's story about the criminal justice system and how it treats people with mental illness? Uh, yeah, well, I think, obviously, mental illness is one, is one issue that comes up here. Um, 
um, Brian Stevenson, who wrote, who wrote Just Mercy, um, uh, a book about capital punishment and other issues, he's a lawyer, and says, why do we want to kill all the broken people? Um, so that's sort of the question, and that, you know, you basically have people having major trauma. But I also think we, we really need to talk about some other issue, which is that the, the, the perception that the judicial system treats all people equally yeah. it just isn't true, and, and the, the extreme racism that that Manny faces from his own lawyers, in fact, as well as as well as um, the larger system. He was he was tried by an all-white jury, and in fact, his lawyer made racial slurs against him and was drunk at the time of his trial. So, and just just thinking about the, the, the unequal system, and when we've shown the film, I've actually shown it with several um, advisors and specialists, and have had audience members say, "But this isn't happening right now," and had Craig Caney, who actually is a works at UC Santa Cruz with me, um, but he works in the psychology department and, um, and actually was part of the um, testifying on uh, Manny's case and has and works on other cases, so that sadly this is not an, ex- it's not an exception, the situation of, uh, of uh, Manny's and Bill Babbitt's family, the Babbitt family, and that this situation of, of inequity and access uh, continues and, and, and racial disparity continues to this day, as we have seen in recent cases, sadly. So, yeah. um, so we, we are saddened that, that uh, I think that there's become a real sort of, uh, these issues have become a sort of extreme importance because they're coming to light right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we began the film, they were not as much uh, in the headlines. But um, hopefully what this will do is shed some light and add some perspectives on some of those issues too. Nomi, did you want to say, add to that? Um... I, I think they kind of like uh, talked about it. Pretty, yeah. Pretty, um, well, I yeah, think I think if all in one way, but if you have anything specific, yeah. Yeah. No. I, and and I think people who are interested in finding out about what the issues, some of the core problems with the criminal justice system, the inherent, I mean, the uh, obvious racism or racially biased criminal court system that we seem to be in the in the throes of in so many instances, so many examples. But also, right. also the lack of uh, any real significant defense on the uh, for people who are facing these very serious charges. Uh, there's a fantastic documentary, and there's a number of them, but one, Gideon's Army, about the uh, public yeah. defenders' offices around the country and how they're being defunded and how there aren't enough of them to begin with. It, 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 and how right. they plead bargain out all the almost all these cases, their caseloads, sometimes as many as four or five hundred cases at one time. It, it's it, it's a it's a scandal. Uh, and if we expect to have a world class yeah. criminal justice system, we have to do something about that. Right. I, I just, just want to tell you, you, you're talking about Don Porter's movie. I, I, yes, I Don Porter's um, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that I just want to uh, jump in with, uh, particularly with Manny's case, his first, his first uh, lawyer was not a public defender. Mm-hmm. He was a court-appointed lawyer, which is another system that's kind of um, questionable at times. And, and the other thing with, the, with, with him, which is kind of interesting, it's by the time that they got... Um, by the time that they, they they got better lawyers to work on his case, they exhausted most of the most of the appeal process. So at that right. point, they, they were just the damage just was done in you know, first place, which is pretty much irreversible. Um, not again has to do with a bunch of different bunch of different right. And them all at, at the same time. It's not it's not um, 
very common to see people in this situation where there's so much damage done in the beginning and it's really hard to reverse that at the end, even if even if um, it's so clear that the issue, the issue shouldn't have been there to begin with. Right. This doesn't actually yeah. actually apply apparently apply to uh, Manny's particular case, but I do know in this yes. in the as you go through the system of the the uh, the death penalty system, at some point the court cuts you off in in allowing you to introduce uh, exculpatory evidence. At some point it becomes That's exactly it, what happened. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. that we can prove that he was innocent. It's too late, and that's another mm-hmm. scandal within our system. Uh, we could go on. I unfortunately just completely ran out of time. I want to once again let mm-hmm. people know that Last Day of Freedom uh, is uh, a short doc. It's uh, for consideration for an Academy Award uh, for a short doc uh, program. Um, it's been award-winning all over America. It's been at a number of film festivals. People want to find out more, they can go to lastdayoffreedom.net and find out about the film and about screenings and about... Uh, the, the story and we're going to be in your neighborhood. Are you? Where are you going to be? Irvine, Irvine International Film Festival. Well, there you go. At the when end you, of this month. This there month. you go. Okay. So it's so, on the website. <laughs> okay. It's on the website as well. Last Day of Freedom uh, .net. Find out about that and, and much, much more. The co-directors, co-producers, Dee Hibbert Jones and Nomi Talisman, thank you so much for being a part of film school today. Thank you so much for the questions and great commentary. Thank you. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.